We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I am your host tonight, solo host, rocking a solo pod today, Jacob Niffen. So a lot of our other podcast guys have been very busy recently. Um, I don't think they mind me saying this stuff. Taylor has just purchased a house. Uh, They had a house built, so congrats to Taylor and his wife. So they're in the process of moving, and he hasn't got internet set up in his new house yet. So Taylor was unable to make it tonight. Um, Justin is the dad of the podcast. He's got two kids uh, and a wife and a job, and so he's super busy and wasn't able to make it. Nick, just feeling a little under the weather. And then Kamiar has been taking part in the peaceful protests that have been going on in Oklahoma uh, both Sunday and uh, and Tuesday now. So he has been, uh, his attention has been elsewhere. So you guys get the wonderful pleasure of getting your, myself, not yourself, myself, yours truly is what I was going for, Jacob Niffen for the solo pod tonight. Before I dive into basketball stuff, I, I wanted to take a quick minute and just touch on, uh, so I just mentioned that Kamiar has been 
part of the peaceful protests that have been going on uh, around our community recently. And, you know, shout out to him and any of our listeners who have taken part in peaceful protests who were part of the March Friday afternoon slash evening uh, or maybe went down to Norman on Monday as part of Trey Young's rally. Uh, You know, just just shout out to you guys. Stay safe. uh, Be smart. uh, But make your voice heard. Right. Uh, As Americans, the most important thing we can do, the thing that's maybe the most crucial to our democracy is the fact that we have opinions and we are allowed to make those opinions heard uh, both vocally and print writing uh, and posting things on social media and doing this podcast. And I think this is a pretty good, pretty good reason to make your voice heard for equality, for equal rights, um, for, for a lack of violence um, either from police or, or wherever. And uh, you know, this country has been dealing with that stuff for way too long and, Although things have progressed, it, we, we can't pat ourselves on the back because it's not a job well done, right? The job's not done yet. We have to finish that job. And so, and that and that job is fighting equal rights for all Americans, regardless of the color of your skin or the name you call God or anything else. And so support to those peaceful protesters, uh, the uncontested. We stand with you guys and, and we uh, we appreciate you. So... With all that being said, let's jump into some basketball stuff. I have a couple of things that I've been thinking a lot about, and we haven't really talked about them on a group podcast recently. And so I figured now on a solo pod would be a great time for me to kind of dive into some thoughts and, and really go deep with these things. Um, you know, I, I love having my co-hosts on and being able to bounce ideas back and forth and, and debate and argue. But sometimes it's it's nice just to kind of just to dump everything out. And, and so hopefully you guys will enjoy this one. I first want to start off talking about the NBA return to play and how things are shaping up for this vote that's going to take place Thursday with the Board of Governors. So everything that we know right now is that Adam Silver is working with the Players Association and they will present a plan to the NBA Board of Governors on Thursday and put it up to a vote as far as returning the league back to play. Now, that vote requires three-fourths majority in order to pass. Woj has reported multiple times that all the governors are on board, they're ready to go, and it will be a nearly unanimous decision on, on moving forward. So before we talk about moving forward, there was a board of governors call last week and Woj and Zach Lowe have written an article about it. Maybe you guys saw this on ESPN.com and it starts off, the article starts off talking about how at the end of that call with the board of governors that a small market owner uh, really spoke up and gave an impassioned speech uh, about the league banding together and about small markets and the hit that the small markets will take uh, if the league doesn't come back, if the money doesn't the money doesn't start flowing again. And that small market owner was Clay Bennett. And you know, at first, when I first saw that name on the article, my thought was, oh no, people are going to try to make small market jokes that Clay Bennett's fighting to. You know, bring all the teams back or do this or do that because he can't make money because he's in a small market. It's going to paint Oklahoma City in a negative light. And it actually, it wasn't that, right? Clay Bennett was was pushing for the league to do whatever they could to safely bring NBA basketball back. 
to get the, the flow of money back going and to recuperate what they can so the money can be distributed. And when you think about it, regardless of what the return to play was going to look like, the very minimum was going to be 16 teams, the 16 playoff teams. And Oklahoma City was already in that. So it's not like Clay Bennett was arguing, oh, hey, you need to bring back all 30 teams so my team can come back and my team can make money. It was really an impassioned speech for the betterment of the league, the betterment financial situation for the league. You know, if they decide to do 16 teams, the Thunder are in and the Thunder are going to be fine. They're going to play games. But he was pushing for other small markets. He was champion championing the small markets as a whole, not just looking out for his own self-interest. And so that I, I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really important. And I'm glad to know that Clay Bennett kind of took a leadership role in that aspect in that phone call. So so cool news there. That came out in an article again. I believe that was released on Saturday, Saturday or Sunday by Woj and Lowe. Both dropped that. Uh, they co-reported on it on ESPN.com. Now today, which is two, today's Tuesday, today's Tuesday, man, COVID-19 and everything just messes your, your schedule up. So it, it, for you listeners that don't know, I teach public education and so I'm on summer break now. And so I just totally lose track of days. So I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday though. So we're good. So on Tuesday today, Woj wrote another article uh, reporting on the plan for the return to play. Now, a few interesting things that came out of this. First off, what we've been hearing seems to be what Adam Silver and the Players Association are negotiating and going to make happen, which is not all 30 teams will return to play this season down in Orlando at Disney World. It will be 22 teams. And we talked about this on our last podcast that came out uh, on Monday morning. But just to rehash, those 22 teams would be the 16 playoff teams, eight from the East, eight from the West. It would also include Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Those are all teams that I think are within five or six games of the eighth seed in the West. And then it will include Washington for the East. It seems as though this return to play proposal that Adam is going to offer to the the governors will include seven or eight regular season games for all teams. Now, seven or eight games, that seven games would probably be two weeks playing every other night. So it would be two weeks of regular season games before we jump into the playoffs. Now, two weeks isn't like a crazy long time, but I think that's a good amount of time if they do workouts and then a training camp and then two weeks of games. I think these players will be in a a fairly good rhythm and in good shape and basketball shape to really avoid injury. So that's good news as well. Now, we don't know how the plan to, to earn the eighth seed is going to work in either conference. That is going to be a point of contention that's going to be very interesting once it's released. So we're going to wait and see what that looks like. But from all accounts, it looks like it's going to be 22 teams in Disney World, seven to eight regular season games starting July 31st. Now, the kind of newer information that Woj dropped today that I really wanted to touch on was that the latest possible game for this season would be October 12th, which is pretty late. That's later than I was thinking. October 12th is going to be the possible Game 7 of the Finals. If the season goes that far, 
Game 7 of the Finals would happen on October 12th. Typically, October 12th, we're starting preseason games to get fire up for the next season. We're going to be playing a finals game on October 12th. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. And so my first question, and Taylor actually posed this in our in our group chat today, how does that affect everything else? How does that affect the draft? How does it affect free agency? How does it affect the next season? Well, what I think is going to happen and and I know Bobby Marks had tweeted a little bit about this as well. I think they're still going to do the draft first and then free agency, although a lot of people are on board with doing free agency and then the draft. We're going to do draft and then free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if the fi- if the finals do go 7 games to October 12th. I wouldn't be surprised if like October 20th or something is the draft. And then free agency goes from October 22nd to like November 15th or something. And then we get back to training camp and we get restarted. It's going to be a very short off season, but I think the league and the players association may bargain this because they're going to have to rebargain everything because the salary cap is going to go down. All the dates on like uh, picking up a a non-guaranteed contract, signing a two-way player, um, signing a player to... Uh, their their extension off their rookie deal, all that type, type of stuff, those dates are now all screwed up. So they're going to have to redo those dates. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the league and the Players Association talk and come to a decision and decide to make the offseason shorter because these players have already got three months off here for COVID. And even though a finals game seven would be on October 12th, that's two of the 28 teams. The rest of the teams, we already know eight teams aren't going back, probably. So eight teams are gonna, going to not have played an NBA basketball game from March all the way until December. So we don't have a rest issue. Let's say Memphis does end up making the eighth seed in the West down in Orlando. They play and they lose to the Lakers in four games. Then Memphis is out by what late August, mid to late August, and they get September, October, November off before they're back for training camp, another three months. So I don't think the the off season has to be as long. And I wonder if the NBA and the Players Association will bargain that and come to an agreement because I think the league would like to start on Christmas Day. We've heard it all the time that you know NBA basketball doesn't really start until Christmas Day. Everyone watches basketball on Christmas Day. I mean, I can even attest for that from the podcast standpoint. We see a lot more interaction with the podcast, uh, a lot more downloads, a lot more Twitter and social media interactions after football season ends. And I know a lot of owners, Mark Cuban to be specific, have pushed in the past for the NBA to slide the calendar back and have opening night on Christmas. And so I think the Thunder, or not the Thunder, but the league as a whole wants Christmas Day to be the kickoff date because that is a huge day for basketball. It's an absolutely huge day for NBA basketball. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the agreement that they come to. And I'm kind of on board with it. So with all that being said, we don't have any information for sure. The proposal and the vote is supposed to happen on Thursday. Woj has reported that it's happening on Thursday. So... The Uncontested, we record podcasts Thursday night and drop them early Friday morning for you guys. 
So Thursday night, we will have all the information about that vote, and we will be breaking that down in detail for you all. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them at, whether it's on uh, Spotify or Apple or wherever. That way, it, you can automatically get our podcast downloaded Friday morning, and you can get our breakdown of how we kind of feel about the thunder moving forward after we see really what it's going to look like as far as playing basketball down in Disney World. So all that being said, I'm ready to move on to my next topic now. I wanted to talk about the 2020 draft. Uh, Before I talk about the 2020 draft, though, I need to take a minute and tell you guys about betonline.ag. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. And you can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the MJ documentary that they're calling The Final Dance. And let me tell you, um, Horace, he's not pulling punches on that thing. It's, it's an entertaining watch. So visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and to check out all the action. Again, that's BetOnline your online wagering solution. All right, guys. So I want to talk about the 2020 draft a little bit. I've had a lot of thoughts on the 2020 draft moving forward. And, you know, actually, it's today is June 2nd. You guys are probably listening on June 3rd or 4th. We're supposed to be like 20 days away from the draft. And instead, the draft is going to happen in like October. So there's a lot more time to, to break down these prospects. And so I, I guess that's where I want to start talking about the draft is that it's going to be interesting. I mean, we're going to be having the draft whenever college players are back on campus getting ready to play. That's fascinating to me. These draft prospects, they've already been able to do like Zoom calls and stuff with franchises with NBA franchises and owners and GMs. So those conversations have already kind of started. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they peel them back and stop them for a while and then restart them later on. But the the draft is going to be fascinating because of where it's been moved to. Now, as far as Oklahoma City is concerned, as of right now, they are projected to get like the 25th pick in the draft. uh, And they're getting that pick via the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the Thunder could get their own pick back. Uh, the Thunder can only have their own pick if it is in the top 20. Now, obviously, the Thunder are not in the top 20 right now. They're like number 22, so they don't get to keep their pick. But when we return to play in Disney World, if those seven to eight regular season games that they're planning on having count towards the standings like normal, there's a chance the Thunder could slip down and get their pick back. Because if you think about it, there's going to be 22 teams. The eight teams that they're not bringing back to Orlando are the eight worst teams in the league right now. So the level of competition down in Orlando is going to be very high. So what if the Thunder in those eight games go three and five? 
does that slide them back down to like pick number 19? And could the Thunder end up having two picks in this draft still? That's going to be interesting. I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, we're going to have to wait till Thursday to that vote to find out. But it's an interesting dynamic. So the draft being pushed back is interesting. There's a chance the Thunder still could end up with two picks, although they want to be high-level picks. There's a chance they still could get two picks, which is interesting. And I wanted to talk about if you've looked into this draft at all, and a lot of a lot of podcasts talk about the 2020 draft, the the main selling point, the main talking point about this draft is that it's a bad draft. It's weak. There's no clear-cut number one. Some people say it's LaMelo Ball. Some people say it's Anthony Edwards. Some people say, you know, it, it could even be, um, uh, oh, I forget, the kid overseas, uh, the lefty that plays in Germany. Um, you know, there's, there's tons of, of differing opinions at the top. And the idea is that the draft class is weak. The last time we saw a draft class that was supposed to be, quote-unquote, this weak, right, as weak as this one is supposed to be, was 2013. And in 2013, Sam Presti has, like, he's had six players. I think it's six players from the first round on his team from that draft. He's had Nerlens, He's had Victor Oladipo. He's had Dennis Schroeder. He's had Steven Adams. He's had, that was the Andre Robertson draft. Uh, he, he's had a lot of guys from that draft class. So it's, it, to me, it's kind of clear that Sam Presti saw value in that 2013 draft when nobody else did. Now, since this 2020 draft class is supposed to be weak, does that lower the value of a pick in this draft? Like, I would assume that GMs value picks in 2021 and 2022 more than they value a pick in 2021. If you were to place like a dollar amount on it, maybe a 2020 first round pick, they say is worth seven to $8 million, where a 2021 first round pick, they say is worth 12 to $13 million, right? Just the overall value of a pick in this draft may be lower. Now, if you remember back in 2020, or not 2020, this is 2020. If you remember back in 2013, Sam Presti tried to trade up in that draft to get the number two pick because he wanted Victor Oladipo. Now, maybe Presti tries to do that again. And, and my rationale, my thinking here is, again, a lot of GMs don't see value in this draft where Presti might. And, and my context for that is it was the same story back in 2013. We know Presti is a fan of trading up in the draft, right? We know this. He tried to trade up for Victor Oladipo. Like, we we know that. He tried to trade up for Bradley Beal. We have Brad Beal on record. Like, we know Presti tried to trade up in that draft. And then he didn't try to trade up to get Domas Sabonis. He did. Like, he traded up in that draft. He traded Serge Ibaka with the target being Domas Sabonis. We know that Presti was talking to Toronto and Orlando that night. So we know the target wasn't Victor Oladipo overall. The target was Domas. So Presti is a fan of trying to accumulate assets and then condense those assets into one big thing, which is moving up in the draft. Now, the Thunder have a great scouting department. It's been reported across the league they have a great scouting department. So with that, putting these puzzle pieces together, right, 
Presti values players in a lot of drafts, even if they're considered weak. He probably sees 2020 as an interesting opportunity to trade up because a lot of other franchises might see the value of a top 10 pick in this draft much lower than a top 10 pick in another draft. Presti has a history of trying to trade up high in the draft to target players that he is really high on. All that being said, that makes me think that there is a chance this year in 2020 that Sam Presti is going to try to make a deal to get a high-level draft pick. Now, we say all of that. Who should he target? Right? You don't just trade up into the top five, the top three, and and say, we're going to take whoever's there. You're trading up because there's a specific player that you want. Right? You have your eye on somebody. Presti had his eye on Domas Sabonis. He wanted him, and so he went out and he got him. So who in the 2020 draft class could Presti target, could Presti be so high on that he's willing to trade some of his treasure, treasure troves of assets to move up and to get? Well, let's think about it. So I have a list here pulled up of the 2020 mock draft. Now, LaMelo Ball. A lot of people love LaMelo Ball, probably because of his last name. But I just don't see him as a Presti target. Uh, for a handful of reasons. You know, the obvious one is kind of off-court and his dad. Uh, Presti tends to to value, like, character in guys a lot. Not saying that LaMelo has a bad character. He's ba- a bad character guy. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that. It just it seems like there's going to be probably a lot of drama there. Uh, I, I just personally, I can't see Presti targeting him. Um, Obi Toppin is a really popular name. I don't think Presti would target Obi Toppin a uh, pick-and-roll guy who can't stretch the floor and can play no defense. Um, I, it just it doesn't seem like a Presti pick to me, right? It, it just it doesn't. James Wiseman is an interesting one, right? The big man who was from Memphis but got suspended for most of the season. Don't see Presti targeting him, um, mainly because I don't see him trading up so high and giving up so much value, so many assets to get a big man. So let's talk about the guys that could be. And I have three here. There's three that I really think Presti would be willing to maybe jump up into the top five to grab. The first one, you guys have heard me talk about him a lot, is Denny Avdia. Denny Avdia is the six foot nine, six foot ten small forward from Israel. He's 19 years old. Uh, early on this season, I can't remember if it was the beginning of the season or during the preseason, Presti flew out to Israel and scouted Denny. Right? That's not a short flight. Denny Avdia, so we talked to Jonathan Wasserman on our podcast recently. He does, uh, I say recently, it's like a month or a month and a half ago. If you haven't listened to that pod, it's a great one. You should go back and listen to it. We broke down a lot of draft talk. But Jonathan compared Denny Avdia to... Danilo Gallinari. And I think that's fascinating. I don't know if Denny is going to be the shooter that Gallo is because Gallo is an incredible shooter. But Jonathan's comparison was based more around European guy, big, can play the three and the four, uh, can do a little bit of everything, has never made an all-star game, but has always kind of been on the cusp. That is why he comped Denny to Gallo. 
And I think that's fascinating. If the Thunder could get a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy who can shoot it a little bit, who can handle it a little bit, who can play some defense, uh, who can cut, who can pass. I I really like Denny. I don't think Denny is ever going to make like an all-NBA team or anything like that. And there's questions about his shooting stroke, especially from the free-throw line. There's questions about his lateral quickness defensively. All of those, very valid. Very valid. And so, but I think Denny could be one target. The second one, the guy I couldn't think of his name earlier, Killian Hayes, the point guard out of um, out of Germany. Now, Killian Hayes is a six foot five lefty point guard who can make all the passes. He's become a really good like pull up three point shooter. He's very crafty. Um, I've seen people comp him. Uh, like his ceiling to a, I, I, I say people, I think it was Kevin O'Connor who said this. He's kind of like a James Harden, kind of like a Manu Ginobili. And I think he, he went with those guys because of the lefty aspect. That's high praise. This kid's six foot five. He's long. He's lanky. He would pair great in a backcourt with Shea Gilgis Alexander. They could play off of each other. Uh, Killian has learned to play off the ball more since uh, this season playing in Germany. He's a really interesting prospect that you can see all the potential there, all the potential. He's got some athleticism. You can just, the whole package. And, I mean, Presti used to work for the Spurs, right? Presti was responsible for, like, the Tony Parker pick. Presti uh, knows how to, like, scout these overseas guys. He knows how to find potential. I think there's a lot of potential in Killian Hayes. The fact that he his game reminds me of Manu Ginobili just makes me think he's a Presti guy. And then the last one, and this one is probably the highest ceiling, lowest floor guy on the list, and the Thunder would probably have to trade up to the top one or two to get him, is Anthony Edwards. Man, I like this kid. Six foot five, 225 pounds out of Georgia. He is built like a freaking truck. I've seen people comp Anthony Edwards to a bigger Victor Oladipo. I've seen him comped as like a Brad Beal type player. And those are two guys that Presti tried to trade up to get. And one guy that Presti ended up getting in, in Victor Oladipo. Anthony Edwards is just so fascinating. He's got the physical tools to come in the league. And to me, his body and his athletic type, he reminds me of a guard version of Zion, if we're being honest. Like, he really does. He could come in the league and be a top 2 or 3% percenter as far as athletically in the NBA. There's going to be very few people that can out-athlete Anthony Edwards. Running, jumping, quick tit, quick twitch, moving left to right, right to left, um, getting down in his stance, explosiveness, uh, first step, all that stuff. Anthony Edwards is going to be elite. Shot creating, he can get shots off. Like He can create his own shot whenever he wants. He's got a nice-looking stroke. Whenever he gets downhill, especially in transition, you can't really stop him. He's a bowling ball. He's kind of like a thicker Dion Waiters in a way, which just gets me so excited. The problem is hustle, um, really drive defensively. Like he can be good defensively because he has all the tools. It's just like want to. And then decision making. Sometimes he just makes poor decisions. And that probably comes from him always being the very best player on his team and getting to do whatever he wants. But man, if you had Shea as your point guard, 6'6", with a 6'10 wingspan point guard, 
skinny kid that plays uh, kind of herky-jerky, change of pace, incredibly crafty. And then next to him, you put Anthony Edwards, a uh, big, tough bruiser who can bowl people over, can get his shot from anywhere on the court. Um, six foot five, 225 with a 6'9", six, 6'10", six, wingspan. I mean, you have like a lightning and thunder aspect there. That would be a hell of a backcourt to build your future around. Now, Anthony Edwards might bust, and he might be bad. He might His ceiling might be a D on waiters. And if you trade multiple firsts to jump up to number two in this draft and you get D on waiters, you have busted. But if you trade multiple firsts to move up in this draft to get the stronger, bigger, more athletic Victor Oladipo, then it was worth it, right? And and that's the risk you take in the draft. But if there was anybody they would trade up to the top two for, Anthony Edwards just seems like a presty guy. He seems like a presty guy. He seems like a guy that if you got him, to, to me, Anthony Edwards, if he goes to uh, Sacramento, he's in trouble. If he goes to New York, he's in trouble. But if he goes to a place like Oklahoma City, like Golden State, like San Antonio, I think he'll realize his potential because I think he's one of these guys that has to get in with a good program, with good leaders and good player development. And those teams have that. And so it also might be an aspect of Presti betting on himself and betting on the culture that the Thunder have, betting on the player development staff, betting on Billy Donovan, should he be back next year. If you believe in those things, maybe you're willing to take the risk because you you believe that everything that you have in place will allow a guy like Anthony Edwards to hit his ceiling rather than sink to his floor. And so those are three guys that I think would be fascinating. Again, I think there's some precedence here on why Preston might try to trade up in this draft. And those are three guys that I think they could really target you know, I think I, you typically see Denny Avdia draft or uh, mocked between like four and seven. You see Killian Hayes mocked between like five and eleven, and you typically always see Anthony Edwards like top three, right? He's never really below number three. So that's kind of the range you would have to trade up to get. Now, I don't know. You know, Presti's not going to say like as long as I can get one of these three, I'm happy. I'm sure there's one guy that he's willing to really take a risk on and trade up for, and then everyone else he'd be like, uh. I'm good. I'll just stay where I'm at and and punt till next year when 2021 is supposed to be an incredible class. But it's just interesting. And I've been thinking about this for a while. And I just wanted to float the idea on the podcast and kind of get your guys thought on it as well. So, uh, so guys, with that being said, I know this is a shorter podcast, but trust me, uh, doing solo pods is difficult. Uh, I've been talking a lot. My throat is hurting. Um, So we're going to get out of here. Sorry for the short one, but I promise you we will make up for it on Thursday night, Friday morning, because we're going to have a lot to talk about with the return to play plan. So make sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast so you can get that automatically downloaded and ready to go. So your Friday morning run or your drive to work or whatever, you can hear our breakdown of what the Thunder are going to look like going down into Orlando. Once that decision is made on the Board of Governors call, uh, the Uncontested has some big plans leading up to basketball and Disney uh, when they're playing under the bubble. So 
be on the lookout for that as well. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. We've been really grinding throughout the the hiatus and the quarantine and COVID and everything, trying to bring you guys good content. And it means so much to me whenever I log in and I see how many people have downloaded and are interacting with us. So thank you so, so much. Uh, Tell your friends, tell your family if they like Thunder basketball, if they like NBA basketball to check us out. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at the underscore uncontested. And myself, I am at Jacob Niffin on Twitter. Go follow Blue Wire Pods on Twitter as well, our podcast network. And make sure you check out betonline.ag. Go play some bets with basketball coming back. We will talk to you guys in a couple of days. You all stay safe if you're out there protesting. Uh, Please be peaceful. Please make your voices heard. Uh, Stand up for what you believe in uh, and speak out against racism. But make sure to also wear a mask and wash your hands because we don't want COVID to spike either. We want you guys to be healthy. And we will talk to you soon. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.